Hello and welcome to another From the Rookery Inn Away Day Companion podcast. You might be on your way to Swansea uh, to see Watford play away. You might not because you might be stuck at home or having the duties of Christmas. Uh, I hope you did have a good Christmas uh, and uh, well I've got a glass of wine with me. You know you, you, these bottles have to be drunk at some point or another. Uh, I'm joined uh, by, uh, by Jason. Good evening. I've just had a cup of tea. <laughs> and uh, and Geordie's also here. Hello. Again, part of these away day podcasts is we're not going to bog ourselves down with the games and what's happening. We're going to do a best 11, which I've already teased to you, a World Cup Hornets best 11. Um, sort of a competition, but you know, I'll tell you about my little twists I like uh, in a minute. Uh, we've also got a little game, of course, which Geordie and Jason will be playing uh, against each other. Uh, and also, we thought we'd do a little bit back from the archives, uh, where we've got an interview that we did just before Christmas 2010, the first year we did this podcast, where we sat down with the then manager, Malky Mackay, to talk about Christmas uh, as a manager and, and how things were going. Jason, what do you remember about that time? And, you know, you know not to say time, not, or maybe not even that season, that sort of era of being a Watford fan around that. Malky Mackay, Sean Dice, or the end of Brendan Rodgers as well. What do you remember about that time as being a, a Watford fan? Expectations. Expectations. Let's start there. They were they were pretty low, but to be honest, it still it was still fun, wasn't it? I, I don't know if you you felt the same. We we felt like we were always punching above our weight, but deservedly so, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. we were we were putting in the effort. We had some great characters at the club. We were seeing a lot of kids coming through around that time. I think it was that time where we were talking about academy products and we were close, if not already reached, our, our sort of 50th academy product coming through, something like that. And, it, and it, there was definitely a a feel-good about the place and, and with some of the football that we played, just on a on a background of, of nervous financial troubles brewing in the background. Yeah, it was the season, two seasons away from... I know, one season away, I suppose, from, from Mr. Bassini um, and what came with that. Um, Geordie, what about you? That season, maybe in particular, it was we, we just chatted before we start recording about the, the run of games we had around Christmas time. It was, it was magical at that point, wasn't it? Apart from, of course, we missed two games because of uh, the 18th and 26th of December. They were postponed because of bad weather. But uh, it was, it was, quite a, it was a, a lot of fun around that time, mixed in with some not so much... Actually, would you ever, even though you, when you look at that list of where, you know, the the losses and stuff, was it terrible though? I don't think it's terrible because it all comes down to what you're expecting. I think at that point, kind of in the in the post-80 seasons, we had this, uh, uh, developed an identity of promoting managers from within. And Malky was like in the middle of that conveyor belt. If I recall correctly, a lot of the, um, the, the trouble, if you like, for fans or the concern for fans was actually in the boardroom. Uh, and this kind of three-way battle that was going on which ultimately ended up with um, with uh, our friend Mr. Pazzini coming in um, just before the pot. So, so obviously we didn't know what was coming. Most of our concerns were off the pitch, and therefore we enjoyed what's happening on the pitch. And that spell you talked about. I mean, we'll all have different games throughout the season. We enjoy. I mean, I the game where we went and um, upset QPR and ruined their chance, their um, their their unbeaten run was nice because my my MD was a QPR fan. And he, uh, he invited me to the to watch it with him at, at Loftus Road, so I went along there. And uh, they got a late goal with Tommy Smith, didn't they? But we pretty much put them to bed by half time, and certainly certainly just after half time. So yeah, it was, uh, it was that, that that run would be would be welcome now. For I think if we get um, six six or so wins on the bounce now, I think um, Slav would be happy. 
um, so long as you don't follow it up as we did back then uh, with a with a lesser good run. But what about that bad run, Geordie? How do you think there was a Twitter at that point? It wasn't what Twitter is now, of course. But if we, you know, we lost away at Cardiff, we drew at home to Palace, we lost away at Forest, we lost at home to Burnley, we drew, we drew, we lost, we drew. And we, you know, the whole of January or from the end of January, the whole of February, we didn't get a win until the 5th of March. Would there, do you remember ever having a feeling of a, of a meltdown? No, I don't, I don't know if, if it can be um, solely put at the, um, at the hands of Twitter when there's a meltdown. I think uh, it's easy to see, though, isn't it? It's easy yeah, to see. it's easy to see. I think I think there were some draws in that run. Um, yeah. You know, Palace, you know, Preston, Reading, the Swansea, good solid uh, championship teams. I think if you look at the game against Preston, which was on just day after Valentine's Day, our, we were two 0 down. We came back, and the goals were scored by Matty Witchelow and Adam Thompson, mm. which probably um, you know the res- greatest respect to them kind of helps manage where our expectations would have been. We had players, you know, like Danny Graham, who would have been found favourites and would have had good results and good games and and so forth. But at the same time, we weren't, um, we probably weren't expecting to get promoted, particularly following the the, the season that had come previously and the slightly downward trajectory um, post eighty uh, or certainly post eighties promotion season. It's kind of then peaked probably in Cardiff, didn't it, against Leeds, and then then just kind of just started sliding down. Which this this season felt like maybe it was turning that around. So. I think I think people are a lot more tolerant, and you know we can look back and say there was like six or seven games where we didn't win. But you don't know at the start of that that it's the start of six or seven games, so you kind of give it a couple, and then a couple of the draws. You know, I guess losing to Burnley at home you know, isn't isn't great. Uh, you know, losing to Bristol City at home isn't great. They, I, I imagine, there would have been some disappointment there. But I think you know some of the results in that in that run would have been tolerable I guess without there being a meltdown and we probably were never in real danger of getting sucked into a relegation battle so I think that's it isn't it it felt like sort of that that run that good run was was job done wasn't it I know Malky always used to say at that same two points never too uh, there was that yeah sort of 50, <laughs> 53 points wasn't it? and, and yeah. never too high never too low and and we um we didn't actually get quite high, so I think we were sort of hovering around the playoffs at, at the end of that good run, and then obviously dips with the bad run. Yeah, at the end of that run, we were six, so we were just in the playoffs, and then we went out of it. Finished fourteenth in the end. So we've probably been a bit too ambitious to uh, to sort of probably held on to those dreams of the playoffs. The fact that we'd pretty much achieved what we needed to achieve, which was staving off relegation, given the sort of the, the, the circumstances we were we were in and was probably the aim for a lot of those seasons around that time. That Yeah, sort of after, at the end of the good run, you, you felt like, OK, we're going to be OK now, even if we do have a bad run, we'll be all right. I think so, just on that, the, the, the great run was preceded by seven games where we didn't win, which was then preceded by seven games in which we won five. So we seem to kind of blow hot and cold very in sequences of like seven games that season, six or seven games. So I guess we never got on the on, on the in, on the on the terraces. We didn't get too high or too low either, as you're saying, because it was either going to be feast or famine that season. A great run, an awful run, a great run, an awful run, a great run, and then finishing it with a pretty dismal end to the season. So yeah, we never re- it was it was pretty entertainment, and we were just probably if I try and think we were really happy just to to have our our stuff moving with the club, you know, like we said, some players coming through from the academy, some players that we liked and we knew that would probably play at a higher level, get some money like Danny Graham, players like Don Cowie and stuff. And then I guess wanting to just resolve the off the field things that felt like they were going to, until they were resolved, we were never going to move forward. 
So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a funny one. At the time, we probably cared massively, but now we look back and can't really remember any extreme emotion at any, at any given point, which is probably a good thing. Yeah, because the season before, the Christmas before, that's when we were hours away uh, from possible uh, administration. And I suppose by the time you got to 2010, 2011, you... We're probably thinking, thank goodness, and let's let we're going to see see a football team. But let, let's let's try and let's take a trip back in time uh, to uh, London Colney Training Ground, uh, where Mike, Jason, and I went down to speak to Malky to find out a little bit more about you know remind us what time was like for him as a Watford manager at Christmas time in two thousand and ten. Hi, Mike. Welcome to Formula Crew End. Thank you. It's Christmas. Are you are you are you ready for it? Um, we are. Uh, we've got our uh, Christmas wrapping out, and we've got our crackers, and we've had our Christmas lunch. Yeah. And Christmas is officially finished as far as football's concerned. The boys managed to get a, a day out at the start of December. The staff managed to do that at the start of December. The Christmas lunch up at the train grounds all finished and going. Um, and now we hit the serious stuff, um, and that's the way it is for football players and football managers and and, and football clubs in general. Christmas and New Year is becomes a, an even busier time for us because they double up the games. Was it seven games in the next month? Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and over the Christmas and New Year period, you um, you can end up you know being away Christmas night from your families and overnights and same with New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. So it becomes just commonplace for footballers that. You know, Christmas is parked really, and, and this is a really important time of the year. You obviously try to try and give them time with their families as and when we can, and, but it, you know, round about Christmas Day, Boxing Day, it's, it becomes it's a it's business again, unfortunately, yeah. and it's quite weird. You know, people saying, well, you know, what's the situation here? And you go, well, we're in training Christmas morning, or we're in Christmas afternoon, and we leave and we travel, and people don't realise that you, you stay away from your family on Christmas nights and New Year's Eve and things like that. But it's part of the business we're in, and they throw in extra games at this time. Of the Year, which is quite incredible. Two games in three days, which I don't really agree with. Um, and they do the same at New Year, two games in three days. How do you get around the family and the wives and the girlfriends? To, they must be the most understanding women in the world. Wives just, or the girlfriend, not wives and girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to come up with an exclusive there. Um, no, um, it's something that people just get used to, and your families have to just get used to it. It's the life we're in, and it's the business we're in, and, and you have to make sacrifices if you want to be playing at this level and be involved at this level. And, and that's, that's just the way it is. So did you have a Christmas party, did you say? We had a, we had a Christmas lunch up here, yeah, where the staff put on a, a great Christmas lunch for everyone, and we listened to the new arrivals have to sing a song uh, to the building, and the, uh, the youth team have to make various groups of singing. Okay, so, um, And there are various standards to that, let me tell <laughs> <laughs> Well, we got you a Christmas present. Oh, for goodness sake. a little thing like that. Thank you very much. Yeah, oh, you have to open it up, so. Right, okay. you know, we didn't want to get you, so we got you a little something oh, just to keep you going. Oh, shortbread. Do you know what? Tomorrow morning, the nine o'clock meeting that I have with my staff. Yeah, we're going to have tea and shortbread. Cool. And we also we've got your card because, but within it, there's a, there's an extra present for you in, inside, which we're not quite sure. Obviously, Woody and Buzz, who are yeah. two of my favourites, and possibly try and get them involved in the team this year. Get <laughs> your voucher. Ah, oh, three uh, points. Wow. It's a, it's a Fulham weekend voucher, which you can redeem for three league points. Not sure if all football federations will take it, <laughs> but with, with Sip Blatter, FIFA might, might take it. You never it know. Again. You never know if you, if, you, if you offer them enough. Thank you very much, guys. I really appreciate that. Okay. From the rookery end. When you were a player, did you know you were going to become a football manager? Or did you ever think about becoming a manager? Um, as I started to get later on in my career, um, I started taking my badges when I was about 30. Um, and I finished about six months ago, so well, I, you know everything there is to do. So that's certainly it's taken me seven or eight years to actually be able to. That's what it takes you to be able to actually do everything mm. there is to, to do at the moment. And um, 
I think it's something that you look at friends, you look at people you worked with and, and who became managers and um, you know, you get to your 30s and you start knowing managers, guys that you used to play with and um, by that point you've, you've worked under and I'd worked under I worked under plenty by that point and um, you know, it was something I was interested in coaching, I was interested in staying in football, I've got a passion for football and I came into the professional game a little bit later, I've been in football since a youngster and, and in Queen's Park in Scotland, it was an amateur club, so I was working in a bank at the same time, I was 21, and I never turned pro it was 21, and I think it gave you, it certainly gave me a, a, an understanding of just how, how much I want to actually stay in it for as long as possible. So as you get to your, as you get to your 30s, it was something I, I always wanted to go into in the coaching side of it, um, and be going, you know, doing the badges, doing the courses learning and speaking to as many people as you can to, to educate yourself and I think that can only help you the amount of people you can take little things from and not only guys that you can take things from in a positive sense people that some of the managers that are things I wouldn't do you know and that's just important what you wouldn't do and how you wouldn't treat people um, or go about things and I think all these little things are, are things that can help you so it was something that I felt that um, I, would, I would like to step into but you never know what, what, how your career is going to pan out when you do those coaching badges, does it completely change the way you look at the game of football? Yeah, because as a player, you're sitting there. If you put, put yourself into a, a player's shoes, a player's sitting there listening to one guy. 15, 20 people are sitting there listening to one guy, or, or and being orchestrated by that person. You go and stand there as the one person looking at everybody. They're all waiting for you. They're waiting for inspiration. They're waiting for you to tell them what to do. They're waiting for structure. They're waiting to know, entertain me basically. And uh, it's totally different. You know, a football player and a coach and, or manager is completely different and it's not something that you just automatically stand up and straight into it and that's why the, the licences that they, they put you through um, are stringent and they, they test you and they put you into awkward situations and they put you into situations that become really uncomfortable but at the end of the day if you grasp it and you keep learning and you talk to the right people then it comes but it's not something that you just automatically go into and I remember you know, the, one of the first ones I was on and, and, I'm looking at some of the people that were on the course with me and um, you're thinking how can I stand and tell Roberto Di Matteo how to <laughs> how to shoot when he's, he scored in the FA Cup final for 30 yards with the fastest ever goal but you have to put your coach's hat on and stand and speak to people like yeah. that and that's things like that come when, you, when people talk about coaching badges I'm instantly putting mind of those little swimming badges you <laughs> do you actually get badges? you get a certificate now have you got yours framed? I have I have because the, um, when you get to the, the pro licence which is the the um, the, the top of the tree, so to speak. It's your, it's your kind of degree, um, and and certainly the the one I went on was an 18-month, very very intense course, and um, spoke to 23 guest speakers over the 18 months, going to European Championships, under 21 Championships for a week in Sweden, and and watching these these under 21 games, and then having to put a PowerPoint on um, straight after the game, having to go and put a PowerPoint on to and stand in front of people and do that. Um, so quite quite intimidating. Very very intimidating, very intense, um, and have to put uh, an amount of work in over the 18 months, um, and then end up with a thesis at the end of it uh, on a study project. And it's it is a degree. It's like a degree stuff, but but it should be and it should be hard and it should be taxing because it's basically. Um, what you should need to be the manager of a, of a top level club or a European club and it's something that uh, if you enjoy it and you grasp it and you take it on board um, it's something that will make you so much better. 
from the rookery end. So month as caretaker manager. Was that a steep learning curve for you? It was looking back at the time I was gutted that I never got the job absolutely gutted coming in off the QPR game we beat QPR at home and I came in and the chairman and uh, chief executive at the time sat me down and, and said you've done fantastic unfortunately we're not going to give you the job and I was absolutely gutted because I, I put a, I think I put a very good interview uh, forward to them and a case for me getting the job at the point um, and I think considering where we were at the time the results for that month had been okay um, and I just felt that I was gutted but I look back on it and it was it stood me in great stead for actually going for the job full time because it gave me a little window into football management for a month that you don't see as a coach and it is a completely again it's a completely different job the coach the first team coach the assistant manager's job to a manager's job is, is vastly different and the, the, some of the things that the manager has to deal with with standing out there on the, the coaching field that gave me that little insight into it and, and then that's the choice do you really like this or do you do you really like being a coach so you've got to get that bit where do you enjoy doing that side of it as well or do you embrace that side of it do you feel comfortable doing the other side of it dealing with the board dealing with press dealing with decision making day to day about the, the operating running of a football club um, and that little month gave me that chance to say that a year later or nine months later when it did come around yeah I really fancy this this is something for me um, so in hindsight delighted that I got that little window to actually um just show me what Pandora's box is like when you open up. When the job did go elsewhere, Malky, did you ever think that there might be this might be the end of the road for me in Watford? Or? Absolutely. You know that that, that was that was uh, uh, the manager, the new manager, could have come in and decided, you know, not not for me. Um, but um, you know, it was uh, you know, I was I was an employee of the club, so I went back to being an employee of the club again and um, and do my job. Um, and I tried to then fully back the manager that was there. There was you know that was. I've got a lot of feeling for the football club, and I've been here a long time, so I was never going to, you know, throw my W at the tram. Um, it's not my nature, and I was, you know, hardworking enough to think, right, I'm going to put everything I've got behind this man. And I told him that on, on you know, the first week. Um, you've got my full support, my full backing, and I'll try everything I can here to help you make this an easy transition. And I'll let you know everything that's, you know, about this football club to allow you to go and do the job the best you can. Unfortunately, we, we, we gelled and he had a good working relationship. The two of us had a good working relationship, and um, and he, he, you know, he put a bit of trust into me. And I'd like to think that that was, um, you know, because of maybe what I've done, but also because of how I was with him. So, you know, that absolutely, I could have, I could have been sacked the following day. Sure. It's interesting that no one's actually mentioned his name. Lord Goldmort. No, as I said, um, you know. Myself and Brendan have got a good relationship and, and still speak regularly, um, and, and it's, it's just the way it, the way it happened. It's, you know, it's, it's history now. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, you Orns! So on these Away Day Companion podcasts, we do like to put together a best 11. It's something you probably do in the car. And this is your chance to do a bit of comparison. So what we've done is, we, we what I've done is, I've gone through and I think I've found all the Watford players that have ever played in the World Cup. Not when they played, when they were with Watford, but they uh, either, they played in the World Cup after they played for Watford or they played in the World Cup before they came to Watford. So this is the list, and it's on the show notes below the, in the description of this episode. So what you need to do in your car, or even if you're staying at home and watching the game on, on Hive Live, you can try and put together a best 11 Watford players who have played in a World Cup. The only rule 
is that they one player per country. Um, there was one problem which Jordi will tell us about in a minute with one particular country. Press balls now. Have a chat. See who you can come up with. And when you press play, we'll be here to chat about Jason and Jordi's team. So, Jason, let's run through your team. You've done one each. And actually what I'm going to do is, or ha- what I haven't told you is, I've scored all these players. I've given them a score depending on many factors. I'll go through those in a minute. But let's go through these teams. because You did actually pick very, very similar teams. Jason, who was your team? So I, I went with a, a 3-5-2 formation in the end to get in the players that I wanted in my team. So starting off in goal, a bit of a legend in uh, in Pat Jennings. Not necessarily a Watford legend, but a legend. Three centre-backs, which are Jay Demerit of the USA, Nathan Ake of the Netherlands and William Kong of Nigeria. My wingers, quite a contrast here, Nordin Amrabat uh, on the right of Morocco and some fellow called Ishmael Assar from Senegal on the left. <laughs> My mid- I love my midfield. My midfield is Alan Nielsen of Denmark, Van Barami of Switzerland and Miguel Layun of Mexico. And up front as strikers, because you put him in the list as a striker, John, I've got John Barnes of England and Richarlison of Brazil. Very nice. Very nice. And your team, Geordie, isn't that different, really. There's only four differences. So what's your team that you pick, Geordie? So if, if you are driving... Um, just um, check your mirrors. <laughs> yeah, prepare yourself for this choice. Yeah, before you before you start that, because my my um, goalkeeper is Tony Miola. <laughs> um, now, yeah, that's the that's the response I had when I looked at the list of goalkeepers. But then start, the, the the double jeopardy of having players only having one player per nation meant that had I gone with the great Pat Jennings, I wouldn't have had John McClelland. Can I also add in goalkeepers? There was also David James, and there was Ben Foster. There was, but then there was also John Barnes. That would have been a, a hell of an omission if yeah, I hadn't had him. Yeah. So Tony Miola wasn't a bad goalkeeper uh, outside of um, a game against Bristol Rovers um, when he played for Watford and um, let, let, let a, a P-roller a go in. Um, and I will not countenance any idea that a best 11 of Watford players that John McClendon is eligible for will not include him. So therefore, John McClendon has to be in, which unfortunately means Pat Jennings can't be. And because John Barnes is in, it means that the only goalie I've got left, um, thanks to Austria's um, catastrophic qualification campaign, <laughs> is uh, That's a very and, good point. and yeah. Estonia and uh, <laughs> places like that. Never get, and even Spain, I guess, with Almunia and Brazil. Uh, the Gomez, Gomez didn't. He no, went to the World Cup. Did he, he not go did. to the World Cup? No, not my research. <laughs> anyway, oh, I was wondering if he maybe was in the squad for the World Cup. I would, uh, yeah, but no, I did actually do a thing. It's only players who played. In a game, they got minutes. They got ah. minutes on the pitch. Mm. So I don't, from my research, and this is purely my research. I'm happy to be wrong, and I'm happy to have missed out people because we did add a, add someone very very late on. I did miss out Marcus Gale, who did play for Jamaica uh, in one game in the 1998 World Cup, the only game that that Jamaica won, uh, and he played 80 minutes. So he did get on the pitch. He wasn't just a pitch. He wasn't just a substitute, which he was the first two games. Your team, yeah. uh, Tony Miola. Who's your defence? So my defence, as I've kind of given away with the teaser, is going to feature John McClelland. Also got uh, Nathan Ake. And because I've got Tony Miola, I can't have Jay Demerit. So I've gone for Nkulu in there as well. And then my midfield is Valon Barami, Miguel Layun, simply because of uh, social media following. That's the reason I picked him. <laughs> social media following was not one of the criteria I had to give Damn. him extra uh, points. <laughs> well, uh, just, in case it, just in case it was. No, it's also because, I mean, he's obviously a good player. He's played a lot. We, maybe we didn't see the, he didn't get the chance to show the best of, him, of himself. Absolutely. At the, to- at the top of the diamond, I've got John Barnes. Also midfield, alongside Barami and Layun. I toyed between Alan Nielsen, who Jace had, and 
Sissoko. Well, I eventually, just just to be different to Jace, basically, I went with Sissoko because he was keeping and partly keeping um, Etienne Capou out of the French team. He's obviously not not been a bad player in his career. And then up front, Richarlison, who obviously shone at this World Cup. Uh, Ismail Assar, who did the same. And uh, the focal point of my attack is Igalo, because you need goals in in, in these tight games. And he's uh, a six box, six, uh, a penalty, a six yard box merchant, isn't he? So um, is he? I think in the World Cup, is he? Well, if he, in this team, he would be. <laughs> <laughs> um, because you've got Richarlison. I think I think Richarlison, Saar would be able to swap sides. Barnes obviously can drop deep, run midfield. Can, he can play anywhere. And then Lyon, Sissoko, and Barami, I think, are have, have lungs and discipline. So they did basically keep them, them with obviously McLean and Ake and Nkulu to keep the ball away from Tony Miola uh, as much as possible. I think so. That's my team. Can I just say, Georgie, I love how you've uh, bent uh, John's rules. And played players in positions that um, he didn't list them as. Just, just saying, just saying. Don't read anything into it. <laughs> and remember, Jordy always does like to use the rule. Well, a squad is always fluid uh, in oh, their really? positioning and choices that a uh, tactical choices that we made throughout the uh, throughout the game. Like you say, John Barnes. I did call him. A, I, I put him down as STR, but actually, I, I should have put him down as forward rather than just striker because of that that thing. It's interesting. Nathan Aki is the one player you've both put in to the squad but very different defenses are you jason happy with your defense i don't mean this in a competitive way but you, you went for three at the back demerit yeah. aki truce kong who's who's played one world cup in uh 2018 for for nigeria is that more just out of choice because you had to and you wanted to make better choices elsewhere i'm, I'm happy with my defense i think i've got a uh I've got a mix of of um, passion and fight and skill in that team. I think with with three at the back, we know Troost, he has his weaknesses. Perhaps his distribution isn't all it's up to be. But I think with Aki and Demerit in the squad, I think they're they're capable of doing that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm happy. I've got I've got a decent defence there. And Jordy, your your attack is mm. quite. Quite good. <laughs> you know, Igalo, well, Richarlison, John Barnes and Ishmael Assar. That, that's quite impressive. Yeah, I mean, I think this, this, this exercise, if it went for the people playing it, they'll quickly find there are um, non-negotiables for some countries, which then obviously then leads you to a situations like I mentioned earlier, where you have to pick McClelland or, or Pat Jennings and almost feel what it is to be an international manager having to pick your squad where you have to leave out somebody who'd ordinarily make it. I mean, Richarlison and Saar, they can they can swap sides, they can play centre-forward. Um, they're, they're technical players, but physical players, um, fast as well, know where the goal is. And Igalo, like I said, is a, is a poacher. He'll, he'll uh, make things happen. He'll get all those little rebounds that are messing around in the in the six-yard box. And Lyun and Sissoko can play can play tight or in the, in the midfield, but they could, they're also they could also drop into full-back or wing-back if, if needed on the left and the right. So like, like as we said before, you know, I like my teams to be fluid. I don't want them to be um to be to be structured in in a, in a way that you can kind of learn how to play against them. We can move around. Ake can move to full back and Kulu can move to full back and so forth. So um yeah, quite a fluid team. Uh, I know Colin doesn't like the 3-4-3 formation. That's why I put it in that formation to start with. Just, to, just so he, he can grumble as he's uh, as he's on his way to um to the South Wales. Well, Igalo doesn't score you that high because he well I share my basically if you scored at a World Cup your points went up if you played for Watford longer longish time 
your points went up. If you were a Watford player, when you were at the World Cup, your points went up also. So at this point, Jason, your squad stands at 205 points. Mm -hmm. That's uh, 18.64 average. And Geordie, yours is only 190. Because Tony Miola scored you zero. (laughs) (laughs) But Pat Jennings only scored you 10. He went to the World Cup... 18 years after being a Watford player for only one season, I didn't feel that like I could give him the points. No, and he, and he didn't score many goals either, I don't think, at the World no, Cup. No, he didn't. So, um, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the defenders aren't necessarily going to do that. So who are the Watford players that have scored in the World Cup? And, of course, that would give you some extra points. Musa Sissoko scored. Andre Carrillo scored. Alan Nilsson did score. Mbai Niang scored in the World Cup. Richarlison has scored, of course. Mo Johnson has also scored, Ishmael Asar has, and so has Jerry Armstrong. Then, of course, the players that have been a Hornet whilst being at the World Cup. There's one in particular who I don't think you guys even considered. He is worth 20 points. From the great country of Algeria, it is... Not Saeed Belkalem. Correct, because he was a Watford player when he was at the World Cup. Or in my mind, he was. Um, the other ones included John Barnes, of course, Jada Merritt, John McLennan, Ishmael Assar were all Watford players and representing us at the World Cup. Now, you haven't picked the highest scoring player. Who do you think the highest scoring player is? Remember, if you want to look at the list, we're talking about the list. I can't keep telling the whole list out on the podcast. The list is in the, in the description of the, of the podcast. Who do you reckon the highest scoring player is going to be then, Jason? So we didn't, we didn't pick him. See, I, I might have said uh, Barnsley, but if it's not, and we haven't picked him. Well, let me go through the scores that you've got so far and who scored yeah. what. So, Jason, Pat Jennings, 10. Jay Demerit, 25 because he was a Hornet. Uh, Nathan Aki, 10. Didn't play for Watford for that long, really. Uh, William Trusicon, 15. Norden Amrabat, 10. Alan Nielsen, 20, because he scored. Ishmael Asar, 30 points. Scored and was a Hornet at that point. Valon Barami, 30 points. He played in four World Cups for Switzerland. So I gave him extra points because of, because of that as well. Miguel Layoun, 10 points. John Barnes, 20 points, and Richarlison, 25 points. Because Igalo only gets you 15 points, Geordie. Uh, Miola gets you zero. Nkulu gets you five. Because he didn't play that many games for Watford. I can't give him that many points. John McLennan, one of the top scorers, uh, top, top ones, of course, but 25. Not 30. He was a Hornet, but of course he didn't score a goal. Uh, Musa Soko, 20 points, because he, yes, did score a goal. So, who do you think then is the top scorer, Jason? I reckon I'm going to go for Jerry Armstrong. Correct. 40 points. Oh, he would get you 40 yes. points because not only was he a Hornet, but he also scored a goal and was in two World Cups. Now, Geordie, there's one player I've given a ridiculous number of points to. for no. For, well, there is a reason. Who do you think, out of all the players that have played for Watford, that weren't a Hornet at the time, didn't score a goal, but actually I've stupidly given them a lot of points? Who might that be? Uh, it's not Tony Miola. Um, it might have something to do with a song. With a song? 
played for Nigeria in two World Cups, <laughs> and then he got bunions and had to give say, up. Was, I was going to say, is it Ben Iroa for his bunions, or, or <laughs> Pierre Issa for falling off a stretcher? I was gonna, that's actually the two options I was going to give. No, I but didn't yeah, give it, Ben Iroa. Yeah, he got a he, he got thirty-five points for Ben. Um, yeah. So, but you're not going to really pick him in the best. So let, let's go through. I'll let, you can make some adjustments now. I'm going to give you a little bit of tinker time. Um, some players that you might also want to keep an eye on. Uh, Mo Johnson scored 20 points. Anyone who scored during the World Cup has got 20 points. There's a bunch of players on 15. Ashley Young, Ben Foster, David James, Marcus Gale, Alan. Nyom gets us down to the 10s because him, Juan Carlos Paredes, uh, Camillo. I mean, Juan Carlos Paredes, I think I, I could have upped him a bit, but I don't think he'd technically signed for Watford. When he was, even though the commentators kept going on about him uh, playing for Watford, I don't think technically he had signed or at least been registered all the rest of it. So I've only given him 10 points. Uh, Camilo Zuniga, um, Miguel Layoun, he's only 10 points. Pierre Issa, 10 points. Pat Jennings, 10. Uh, And of course, the, the fives, I did actually give two zeros. One was to Tony Miola and one was to Purvis Estupinian. Just because they didn't hardly they didn't play they didn't play a game for Watford, uh, Kenny Sanson, Danny Rose, Steve Hodges, Peter Etebo, Lucas Neal, Carlos Sanchez, and Stephen Burkhouse only would go- score you five points. So I'll give you a bit of a uh, discussion time. Thirty points, uh, of course. Um, Valen Barami, uh, Ismail Assar, and the twenty-five points. John McLennan, Jay Demerit, John Barnes was twenty. So was Mo Johnson, Richarlison, Niang, Nielsen, Carrillo and Sissoko. They were all the scorers who scored a goal. Um, of course, Belklin as well, 20 points. So I should give you some conferring time, gentlemen, to come up with your final uh, 11. Who do you think you've got to have in there then? Barami. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bar- Barami. Obviously, we both got Barami and Layoun. Hmm, but Layoun's only 10 points. So, oh, John, are we now trying to get... Are we trying to get high score? And, and make a good team out of it as well. Because the thing is, if you've got demerit, you can't have Miola, which means you've got you can't have McClelland, which then you lose points that you that yeah. demerit's bringing in. Um, I'd and see, then I see. I lose, I, I lose like Barnes as well. <laughs> yeah, so do I like mine as well. I mean, you got to get Jerry. Like Arm- How are you going to get Jerry Armstrong? In? He's forty points. He so is. Jason, so then, you want to so definitely get him in. So, so I could, Jennings I was could. only ten. And what was Barnes? Barnes was 20. only twenty. Yeah, so I could drop, so I could drop Barnes and Jennings, so that'd yeah. be losing thirty points, and could bring in Armstrong, who's forty points. Yes, and then pick who's the best scoring of the uh, of the of the goalies, the, the remaining goalies. The other goalies are all fifteen points. Ben Foster, um, and there, but you, yeah, you lost John and David Barnes. James. Yeah, David um, James. So, Both only played yeah. one game. Didn't have a. They were never first choice goalkeepers. Um, at either World Cups. David James, of course, his first choices for me, it always felt like when he was an England goalkeeper, it was always the Euros where he was, you know, getting a, a lot of time. Put David James in because he was a, a Watford product, but then you could also leave him out because he's a Luton Town fan. Uh, <laughs> but then he wasn't into YouTube or anything like that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so David James, have... David James, David James. David James. So I've, I've, already got, I've already got one social media king in, in Miguel Layoun. So, so you don't want to have no, a competition in the in the squad, do you? There's no room. There's no room for for more than that. So um, yeah. So Foss will have to stay out. I'm afraid. Get James in in place of Jennings. Get Jerry Armstrong in in, in place of John Barnes. I can't believe I'm saying this. It's your <laughs> scoring system, John. <laughs> 
Well, you could go, you know, you've got Ishmael Assar. You could put Bar- you can't put Barnes in there now. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no you, I, can't, you, I can't. That's fine. I've upped it. I've, 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 um, you have 230 I've, points now, Jason. Yeah. So uh, 20.91 points per player. Um, oh, I've gone above the 20 average. I like that. That's that's good. Yeah, that's, that's a good, good one. I'm happy with that. Geordie, what about you? Mm, well, I'm just trying to work out. Well, your your conundrum is a massive conundrum. I mean, Jason, get rid of Pat Jennings. You because that's what you said. The Northern Ireland problem is is quite vast um, in this in these choices that you have to make, isn't it, Geordie? Pat Jennings, legend, but only 10 points more than Tony Miola, of course, who's only zero points. Um, John McLennan, mm. and of course. We now know Jerry Armstrong is the highest scorer because not only did he score a goal at World Cup, he was a Hornet when he did it, and he played at two World Cups. He's the highest scorer of all the players, 40 points. So who are the defenders that score? Demerit gets 25. Who else is a defender? They get... McLennan is the highest defender. Mm. Yeah, but I can't have him if I've got Armstrong. So who? So Truce is 15. Who else is out there? Mike, what's Marcus Gale? He's 15. Okay. So um... your goalie, you definitely need to change your goalie. Yeah. So, and who is there in midfield that's got a decent score? Sissoko, Carrillo's twenty, but that's a question: is if you want him to be your, will he make your team better? And even Mbaniang, he played for Senegal though, and of course you can't have him if you're going to have. Yeah, you can't have Saar. him because you're definitely going to keep Ishmael Assar because Assar is worth thirty points. So Mbaniang is not part of the, of the chat. Yeah. I suppose the the other one is is Sai Belkalim. Imagine picking him for best eleven, but he he did play. He was a Watford player, and he does score you twenty points. What did Neil get? Ten. Mm, and Paredes? Ten. Because Jason's, I think Jason's got to be maxing it out. You're not going to get much higher than that. Yeah, I should think so. What did Oroa get? Oroa thirty-five. Mm. Just because the song. All right. Let me just let me just um, write this out. On my paper. So if Oroa got thirty-five, I could swap him for uh, Trusty Conk. No, I've got him. <laughs> well, it's not a competition, Jordy. But let the, no, I'm, yeah, I'm kidding. I'm you, kidding. You could do, yeah. If you, that would give you another. That, that's where you can max it. But to be yeah. fair, that is me being completely silly with the uh, thirty-five yeah. points. If I was being honest, <laughs> it's only fifty. I mean, I've got an alternative team. Go on then. <laughs> it's exactly the same as I'll save you the times. Exactly the same as mine. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I've gone for four-two-four. Okay. So David James. Gets the nod in goal. Mm-hmm. Left back, sponsored by Scholl, Ben Iroa. <laughs> I'm only giving you 15. What? what? You can't change it now. Geordie, <laughs> <laughs> have you not played John's games before? You know he can change it whenever he wants. Oh, it's a well, okay. oh look, okay, let's see you do. Let's, let, let's do that. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. Ben Iroa, 35 points. Okay, My okay then, points, in, the song. then then uh, right back, Peruvian speed merchant and Carrillo. Uh, and then in the middle of defence, Marcus Gale and Jaden Merritt. Okay. Getting rid of Aki and McClelland, which is because this is all hypothetical, of course. Uh, then I've got Barami and Sissoko in the middle, and then Richarlison and Saar yeah. on the wings, with Armstrong obviously up front, and Mojo. So Armstrong instead of Igalo, who was harshly underscored by you, I think. And Morris Johnson to remind us that Scotland did actually used to get to World Cups. <laughs> Morris Johnson, a 20 pointer because he did. Score a goal at the World Cup. Ah, he's done it. He's only gone and done it. Geordie now, after those many changes, he has (laughs) lost his Twitter followers because Miguel Layoun, but you now have a score of 275. (laughs) 
275, average of 25 points per player. So very well done, Jordy. Well done, well done, Jordy. They're going home quicker than a Roy Hodgson England team from the World Cup, but uh, (laughs) at least least he scores. At least he's, he's, that must be maximum points. Oh, I think they came back quicker than a French player in the uh, South African World Cup, uh, <laughs> or, or Roy Keane, uh, yeah, when he went inside pan. So yeah, this is a hypothetical. I think if they played against the the teams we both of us picked first time round, <laughs> yeah. I think they would we'd, think there'd, there'd be shocks. <laughs> yeah, but then who knows? Maybe this 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 team could be the Morocco of this World Cup, of our World Cup. <laughs> Well, it's, 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 it's those, again, it's these silly, fun things that you, you, you discuss on, a, on a, an away trip. Um, so we have final teams, Jason of David James, Jay Demerit, Nathan Aki, William Trustikong, uh, with a midfield of Norden Amrabat, Alan Nielsen, Ishmael Assar, Valon Barami, Miguel Layoun and Jerry Armstrong and Richarlison up front. Uh, Jordi had David James, Ben Iroa, Andre Carrillo, Marcus Gale, Jay Demerit, Musa Sissoko, Ishmael Assar, Valen Barami, Jerry Armstrong, with Charleston and Mo Johnson. Uh, and that's the winner with 275 points. Tell us how you did uh, at Watford Podcast on Twitter or on social media and uh, send us a, an email, podcast at fromtheroofcreen.com with your, with your list. Uh, and we'll discuss them after the game against Swansea. Do not scratch your ears. You're listening to From the Rookery End. So, gentlemen, I do like a game, of course, to play along with. And this is one that anyone can play along with at home. This is a game going back to that season we were discussing earlier on, 2010-2011. Uh, and we are going for the Watford 4 Cardiff 1 game on the 28th of December. Uh, you know, South Wales club... Um, similar to, to Swansea, but of course we already talked about it. It was a, it was a great win, four one. This is the game. There were, of course, eleven players who started that game, and of course at that point there were seven players on the bench. Your game is how long can you stay in by naming players that were on the pitch during that game? If you get one wrong and the other person gets theirs right, then they will win the game. So you've got to see who can stay in the longest. And I will probably give you one unused sub. Only three subs are used, of course, as was the thing back then. So it is a game in January, 2000, in December 2010. Firstly, Geordie, as you sort of won the best 11 uh, World Cup Hornets, <laughs> sort of, technically, I will let Jason go first. So, Jason, <laughs> yeah. who okay. do you, who, over that team, oh, blimey, can yeah. you name? I'll give you, give, I'll give you a minute to have a quick think. Everyone have a quick I've, think. I've, I've, I've slept since then, and it was incredibly foggy on the day, if I remember correctly, yeah, it much was. like my mind is at the moment. Um, so, I, I, I can't even remember seeing the players on the day, let alone remember them 10 years <laughs> later, plus years later. Um, I, I'm going to start with, we've already mentioned him, Danny Graham. Danny Graham, correct. Uh, he was one of the, the scorers. In fact, he scored twice. Uh, one of them being a very late penalty. Uh, one to Jason. Geordie. Hmm. If he's gone for Danny Graham, the top goal scorer that season, I think, I'm going to say Don Cowie. Correct. Don Cowie did play in that game. Back over to you, Jason. If we're going to go, just thinking players that season, Marvin Sordell was still there, wasn't he, at that point? It, he, he was, was he, in January he went so yeah Marvin no Sordell. no he didn't go to the following January 
Was it following January? It was. He was a January under under Dyche. Oh yes, yes, of course he was. Because Bassini was there when he went, wasn't he? So yeah, yeah. So definitely Marvin Sordell then. Yeah, Danny left at the end of the season. That was the big Mm. money over the summer. That would, you know, the classic thing of we've got a player, we've sold him. That'll keep us ticking over for a bit longer. And then of course, um, Miss Bassini brought a load of players in of all the players he brought in, Uh, and then he got rid of Marvin in in the uh, in the January, the last day of the January transfer window, the following year. Jordy. Over to you. Can you name one of the hmm. Watford players? Graham, Sordell and Co. Uh, carry so far. So Graham, Sordell. So we've gone for attacking players. Mm. So attacking players tend to stick in the in the memory, don't they? They do. But a defender who stuck, sticks in the memory is Lloyd Doyley. Correct, Lloyd Doyley. Now, I'm going to give a little clue now, hopefully give you a few more, more points. This is a year that we had, it was the Birder kit with the red and the black lines. Yes. Down yes. the, the top to bottom of the shirt. Now that might, you know, give you some some memories. Of course, the away kit that year was the black and red stripes. AC Milan, second version of that, of course, uh, not the traditional one we, we wore when we beat Luton um, <clears throat> back in '97. So, Jason, I do believe Mike Parkin's favourite player, John Eustace, would have been there. Would have been playing. He was. Many people are, you know, at this point. People are probably shouting names at the at the the you know the car speakers because they go, "No, he's that player. Come on, you must remember him." There are some tricky ones. There are some tricky ones, I think. But we'll 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 see where we go to. Geordie, uh, you're third. You describing the kit hasn't helped much. Oh, oh, that see, that's what got me, John Eustace. Yeah, that's what got me, John Eustace, and he's got me another another one who may or may not have played. But you, yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna. Say Scott Loach. Yes, correct. The ever-present well Scott Loach at that point. Um, it's always that thing. You knew the goalkeeper is it a banker. Uh, when should you play that card in a game like this? Uh, your fourth choice, Jason, up to our seventh player. Um, I'm clinging to conversations now that we we had earlier. Had earlier, we talked about the win at QPR, and I s- seem to remember. Jordan Much scoring that goal where he sort of crossed it in and it missed everyone. So I'm taking a punt that he would have played in the Cardiff game as well. Jordan Much. Correct. Yes, he was one of the ones they thought you might be a little bit wary of. Because there were, of course, loans that season. It wasn't yeah. the, uh, the, the, the Tom Cleverley season. No, because that was, was the season before, It was, it? yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, <clears throat> Jordy, your fourth pick. Jason at the four, you're on three. You need this one to stay in, of course. Yeah, I think to get all the defensive players. Um, it feels a bit uh, that Jason's getting all the glamour ones. I went um, with Doyle. I'm going to go with Mariapa. Correct. Adrian Mariapa. Uh, number six that year. Uh, Jason. I'm I'm going to go with another defender. And again, this is memories from another point in the season. So we talked about the Cardiff away game. <laughs> that first away day. Yeah. And I seem to remember on the way down to the game singing Martin Taylor Martin Taylor put, put your, your head, head on, on it. it Martin Taylor so, Martin Taylor so, put uh, your head on it he may be tall but he's thin and gets his head on it Martin Taylor Martin <laughs> Taylor get your head the, the, the one chart we ever came up with originally but never got anywhere uh, to the Beyonce Funny, that. song Single Ladies uh, yeah I also thought we could, so, re- so, we could remix it for Sierra Alta if he scores a header Sierra Alta Sierra Alta get your head on it Sierra Alta Sierra Alta get your head on it you may be tall it's got a bum and get your head on it Sierra Alta Sierra it's a terrible chant thank you um, yes you have got one there um, cool 
Martin Good. Taylor. So we are left currently, Geordie, with two players left in that 11. Can you name one of them at least? Uh, all the seasons merge into one. I'm going to say that that's the season that we attempted to emulate Duran Duran and had two Taylors. Was it Andrew Taylor? I his name was. Correct. Um, yes. 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 Back, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. He, was, he, was he ever your, was, he, was he on loan or was he our player? No, he was, was on loan, loan wasn't he? Portsmouth. Yeah, yeah. and he player. he yeah. went back not that long after that. Him and Much actually in that January they were like original loans till January I think, and we had the great run. But then they they disappeared, and then that I was I left this out of the early run chat just to not give something extra away <laughs> and I think that was like why we had the slump afterwards because all of a sudden we then started yeah. relying on the on the Watford kids again so he played for Cardiff around that period didn't he yeah I think he went to Cardiff afterwards did he yeah. yeah yeah okay so maybe that's why you came to my head now there's one player left but I will now bring in the players on the bench good because I'm, I'm 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 thinking my next player probably would have been on the bench that day I'm going to go with uh, that bloke who I'm hoping was on the bench that day. I'm assuming he would have been. Some chap called Troy Deeney. No. No. Troy Deeney was not on the bench that day. Not even day. on the bench. Because he no. was there, wasn't he? Because it, was it was that season we signed him. Yeah, I don't know. That's that. I had that one. He was the one I thought we we're going to have some... His first game, of course, was that first game of the season. Um, we've all heard the story about his, him signing. But no. The uh, from the the BBC archive uh, I looked at from 2010, he was not on it. Malky, what were you doing, Geordie? <laughs> one and you win. This is your game because Jay Justin has got one that is wrong. To be honest, I've been sending left backs and centre backs up to take penalties for the last few guesses, <laughs> um, and been very lucky to still be in it. Um, and, and really, Andrew Taylor only kind of thought of because he said Martin Taylor. So we were talking earlier about this being a period where we tapped into the youth team a lot, and there were people like Michael Bryan and Matty Witchelow and stuff, but they could have been like three or four years out from this period. I don't remember exactly when 2010? they were. 2010? Yeah, I mean, I can't remember exactly when they came into the. T- they, they were around. It wasn't 2012, gonna... was it? That's when the pots were no. turned up. Yeah, no, no. Was it before that? You know, um, and then people like oh, um, Sean Sean Murray. When was he around? Mm. Uh, had he been in the team? Mm. I'm going to go. Oh. I'm going to take a complete pot shot mm. with a player simply because he played for Watford in the 70s, in the 80s, and in the 2000s. And that's <laughs> Ross Jenkins. Yeah, let's see where you're going with that. Correct. And he got on the pitch. He was a 90-second minute replacement. Oh, nice one. For the only, <laughs> oh, player, the only player you missed from the starting 11. I don't know if anybody uh, listening to the podcast is shouting at you. He was pulled off early. Jason? Will Buckley. Will Buckley. He laid, oh. not, Will Buckley was the one player. Uh, anyone oh, who used yes. to listen to the podcast back in those days, pulling him off early is a joke yes. where we lost it on the podcast. Um, <laughs> also on the bench, yes. uh, Renault Gil Martin, of course, <laughs> goalkeeper. Uh, he's, oh, who, by the way, I've looked, I've looked at such these, nice hands. Most of the players I know are retired because they were senior players at that point. Uh, Renault Gil Martin, now the goalkeeping coach at Ipswich Town, uh, Dale Bennett was on the bench. Ah, yes. uh, he, of course, is, I don't know where he's doing, he's, he's just retired. Uh, Adam Thompson. Uh, yeah. Was uh, he's now at Leighton Orient? Josh Walker, 
Oh, Josh Walker. God. Josh Walker. Say what you God. see. Uh, he was. Uh, he's now playing for Dunbar United. Uh, Ross Jenkins, you've mentioned, he's managing at Oxford City. Um, Matty Wichelow and Gavin Massey. Uh, Gavin Massey, of course, playing for Port Gavin Vale. Massey. Yeah. Now, Jason, uh. here's, this is where we're going to go. The, to, to win it, the second round, how many of the Cardiff team do you think you can name? How many of the Cardiff team can I name? God, <clears throat> yeah. blimey. You have to say how many you're going to name. And then Geordie can either agree to do one better than you or if you can fulfil your quota that you tell us, then you can steal the win. So how many do you think you can name out of the 11, starting 11 only? Uh, oh, no, I've got another one. I think I think I can do three. Okay, Geordie. Jason says three. Do you think you can do four? Well, there's no money riding on it, is there? So no. I'll say I'll say yes. Whereas <laughs> if I was on TV, I'd probably just bank what I had. Um, but I'll, I'll have a go at four. Okay, Geordie, you have to go first. Okay, Peter Whittingham. This is where I start, start getting into dodgy territory. I'm going to say someone who married a colleague of mine at around this time. Mark Hudson, because <laughs> I remember him being yeah. at Cardiff because he was at Palace and then he went to Cardiff, and then um, there's a guy who uh, played for Cardiff, I believe, who um, had similar hair to me, colour-wise. Um, McNaughton, who's a fullback. Correct. Yes. Oh Christ! Is it McNaughton? Or is that is that McNaughton or Norton? McNaughton. It's Kevin McNaughton or something like that. It was, yeah, um, yeah. It? it was like him and Graham Cavanagh were like the players. That I kind of thought oh, they got grey hair <laughs> and Ravenelli, obviously. And I was like, oh, they got they went grey early as well. So just at this point in the game, which is getting really complicated, but I like that. Mm. Um, Jordy, <laughs> you have to get this. Get one more player to um, to win completely. If you don't, and J- and Jason gets one more, then he wins. <laughs> That's really unfair. But anyway, let's play the game. Because he hasn't mentioned, because there's two that I've got. That okay, so, Geordie. I'm, I've got, uh, well, I've got two names in my head. I haven't. <laughs> I've got two names, but I've absolutely no idea. Um, I'm going to say Michael Chopra. Oh, that's one of mine. Correct, Jordy. Uh, Jordy, you are the winners. Who else could you name? The only other one I had was because, um, again, this is back to the away trip uh, when um, uh, he told Michael to do one <laughs> outside the ground. That was Craig Bellamy. He did not play in the game. Oh, that's not right then. I'd have lost anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, there you go. So, Jordy. You can uh, you can close your Wikipedia down now, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think Wikipedia have details like that. Uh, uh, wish I'd probably look. not. <clears throat> uh, so well done, both of you. Let's get to part two of our interview uh, with Malky Mackay uh, from way back in the day uh, to remind you of uh, of times of yore. From the rookery end. Malky, talk about your your playing career. You've obviously played under a few managers. Best or favourite? Um, I did play. I played under five five years at Celtic. I don't know if that speaks anything for Celtic or me. Um, and I, I had three at Norwich, um, and I had a couple here as well. Um, my first one, Queens Park, um, a guy called Eddie Hunter, who was a legend at Queens Park, and who really nurtured me from you know from being a 12, 13 year old at that football club right through to when when he helped me get my move to Celtic at twenty one. So how would you say your life as a manager now differs to 
Was it Eddie? Sorry. Oh, it's, it's vastly different. Uh, you know, I'm into the, the professional game and. Um, in terms of the day-to-day running of a football club, being involved in, you're involved in budget meetings, you're involved in um, talks with the board, board meetings, a weekly meeting with my chief executive. Um, and a budget meeting, would that involve you saying, this is what I, I'd, I'd like? Um, budget meetings in terms of a lot of things. Um, dealing with how many sandwiches I've got on a plate in one of my guest rooms, that's, that's it comes to... Do you, do, you deal with that, literally? I have a budget that, that deals with the operation of my, my training ground and um, my staff and, and um, it's, it's not just about players and sure, you know, sure. wages and players and transfer fees, you, you, you know, you've got to deal with, deal with a lot of different things and, and these are all things that, that probably people don't... And they, they shouldn't say it's not, you know, it's not, it's not, no one cares about that, but, you know, you've got to get your head around the figures as well and uh, how a football club works and runs and what hotels we go to and, uh, and and various parts of the country and what bus we use and, you know, food and drink for the boys and, you know, fluids and stuff like that. Sure. You know, there's lots of different facets there. From the rookery end. You know, funny, the first year I was here, Luton uh, Werner, big rivals, mm. and, and obviously that was from previous years when I wasn't here. You know, they were in our league and there was, there was a big rivalry, but after that first year, then they obviously dropped out and, and down and down and down to the point where, you know, it's not something that you hear about as much anymore and people talk about QPR being our local derby now because of that, but I have to say that that year that we played up at... Um, up at Luton's ground and, and uh, we beat them and I scored in the game actually um, it was a great atmosphere and, and local derbies are, are fantastic obviously Celtic and Rangers is, is huge and it's something that everyone I think as a support should actually experience one day to play in it uh, to be sent off in it <laughs> but we went to, I went to Norwich and played in a Norwich Ipswich game and the fervour before it was incredible bear in mind it was 50 miles away the next time was 50 miles away um, and played in this game and it was it was mental. It was it was there was there was policemen and horses guiding them into the ground, dogs, you know, uh, police dogs and I'm thinking this is nuts. I've not seen this in England since I've come down here. And uh, but the atmosphere in the game was charged and it was and everyone I played in it on each switch was fantastic. And I have to say coming to, to do the 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 walk for gluten one, um, you know, to go into that and, and be up there at, at Kenilworth Road and the atmosphere there that day and behind the goals, what, what a support we had behind the goals that day and um, as I say, when we won it was it was quite a day um, and you miss those, you miss that little bit of that yeah. little bit of tension between clubs. Um, is, is there a game? Um, is there a team in this division that you and the and the guys do get up for more than, um, than the others? Uh, that was that was the, the one. You know that we don't have a, a natural local rival at that part, and so there's there's no something that you there's a needle. There's yeah. no that needle there, and maybe that's the one that was missing from from looking, being, not being there anymore. I suppose you guys, as you know, as guys that are in the terraces watching it, maybe there's teams you want to beat more often than, than other teams. That teams you dislike Everyone. more. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. Listen, I suppose the Reading game was was it the, the build up to the Reading game last year was a bit mm, like that. Yeah. And, and the, the fans that were that, that went. I mean, my God, when you, when I looked up to the right and the, the fans behind the goals that day, it was like that was sea of yellow. It was incredible, and it was a great atmosphere. And when Danny scored the header, um, by God, did we let it rip? Um, so that was that was really good that day. I have to say from the rookery end and what do you hope for Watford's future I hope for um, I hope for us to have uh, a nice stadium where we can be proud of going into I hope for a, a flat pitch where the slope is taken off the pitch uh, a pitch where it's a brand new laid pitch where there is no rugby on it um, 
I hope for a, an atmosphere round about the training, right, sorry, an atmosphere round about the, the stadium on a Saturday that is conducive to wanting to go to football and wanting to take youngsters to football, whether that be uh, restaurants, pubs, um, shops, uh, pub shops, all these sorts of things, music playing, whatever, just to make sure that on a Saturday there's an atmosphere. Um, I wish for as many of our homegrown academy prospects to come through as possible because we've got a great project going on at Airfield and the more of those guys it'll take time but you've already got two or three coming out of that that I think are going to play a major part in Watford's history in the next few years um, and ultimately I want us to get to the Prem I want us to get there and, and hang in there and if you hang in there that first year then you can become Wigan, Fulham Bolton, etc, etc, etc who are clubs that come in more than 20,000 fans, because we are limited in what we can what we can, uh, in the main, achieve in attendance um, but there are clubs in the Premier that have done that and don't, don't, don't do that and much more than, than that that's what, I would, that's what I look for for the future We're the Orns, you're the Orns Come on you Orns Thank you much Jason Thank you Thank you much Geordie Thank you guys, cheers uh, thank you very much for listening uh, to these Away Day Companion podca- podcasts. We hope they are a fun thing for you to listen to uh, uh, on your trips. And, you know, again, as I keep saying, you know, we, we, we pick apart the games and we celebrate and we moan. Well, we moan a bit more than we celebrate, it feels anyway, at least. Uh, and, and hopefully these are just those sort of fun things you can get involved with that you do with all your friends, uh, as we do as Watford fans. Uh, and, yeah. And hopefully the games and the the best 11s uh, is a fun thing to listen to. Thank you very much. Uh, Remember, do follow us on social media, at Waffle Podcast, uh, on uh, Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. Uh, And, of course, do tell your friends and subscribe. uh, Or follow, I think you do, on uh, on Apple these days and uh, Spotify. uh, Wherever you get your podcast from, so you get from the recruits as quickly as possible. But there'll be a podcast, of course, after the Swansea game. uh, And, uh, hey, plenty more in 2023. Come on, you ones!